When I say the word friendship, like what's the first thing that comes to you? Glue. Glue? Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I think it's, I think that word kind of gets thrown around a lot, kind of like love, kind of like a lot of things. And you instantly associate it to things that I don't know that I've stopped believing in a little bit. But then when you actually really, I think as I, I guess I'm getting older, I think friendship, I think very few people and it's the stuff that kind of holds everything together. Wow. That's a really great definition. Because what else is it? It's yeah. like, otherwise it's like surface. I'm meeting a friend at a bar, but I don't really know them very well. And you can, that's true too. But I don't know. There's it, no wrong. I, I, that's what I, how I feel. You're about, from the New York kind of creative scene. And that word friend is thrown around a lot, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. My work and my life are like completely blurred. Right. So my friends are my clients are my friends they're all coming to my wedding kind of thing like right yeah i don't know there's no i don't have a lot of separation when it comes to that stuff cool you were saying earlier that some things stick together and some things don't so what do you think does make there end up being glue between people versus the many 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 that just kind of fade away i think showing yourself I think people that I'm most, and I didn't know this until I think probably like six months ago, your whole life you have, you know, from what pre-K you have friends and you have them and they come and they go, but you don't really necessarily analyze it. But I think as I've gotten older, when someone falls off, it's kind of like, whoa, like where'd that one go? And why'd that happen? And then you start to kind of unwrap it. And I think for me, it's like the people that I'm most comfortable around that I feel most connected to, I am most myself. And that could be my problem, but I don't think so. I think there are people who actually see me and accept me and then vice versa. So it's really effortless. Like when I hang out with you, I'm not trying to be anything, or at least you don't make me feel that way. And, I, and, I, and that's a combination of me and you, but it's kind of a perfect thing. It's like being in tune. And I find the people mm. I'm most in tune with are most valuable and I'll do the most work for. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, Everything's currency in my brain, no matter how weird that is. And I think as we're growing and living, like you wanna keep stuff that's important and good. Okay, so first I wanna ask about currency, but we'll come right back to that because <laughs> that's a really interesting word to use. But the second one is, I really love the metaphor of, you know, being in tune or not, because mm. we kind of take for granted that we know when something is in tune or not. Uh, and yet when you really look at it, it's actually quite fascinating on a biological level that there's a certain vibration that's so uncomfortable to us that we want to back away from it or we want to shut yeah. our ears literally to it. And I think that in the form of friendship is actually quite interesting because there are some people that it's, dissonance. it's so much dissonance that it's like we don't even want to see them again. They make our skin, you know, kind of mm. kind of boil. And And then, as you're saying, we have the exact opposite of that. We have people that were just like, whoa, okay, this is on, this is happening. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So coming back to the currency thing, what do you mean by that? I mean, maybe I see everything as a video game and I'm gonna be a dad in October. I've had to kind of go into, you know, what do I believe about everything? Like, what does VR mean to me? What is this? And I, I realized that for me, video games actually were really valuable in that my entire life is like a gamified hit your head on like a magic coin Mario Brothers thing. And that applies to everything, whether it's like a piece of art that I find under a rock or a person that I meet. And that person adds value to my life. 
and not in a like pretentious like surface way but like they actually inspire me and change my perception so that to me is like very valuable because i'm living and breathing and living working making it's all the same thing so when someone comes into my world that like we'll talk like you and i when we first met like conversations change the way you think it's like taking a, a really positive psychedelic drug in a way like when you meet someone and it's like oh my god where did time go we've just done something and it's this amazing thing and when that happens i just think it's very valuable so i tend to hold on to those people and maybe i'll do a little more work for those people because i think it's like what whatever happens when we're together is very valuable to me it's so interesting you know because i meet so many people i interface with so many people i'm deeply fascinated you know with how people become the way that they are and because of that close close microscopic look i'm i'm taking at how a person is made all the time very sensitive to the inner kind of configuration of people and uh you right now like sitting across from me you have so much energy pouring Hmm. out of you i can feel almost like your brain waves moving in certain ways that are noticeably different to me uh, from an average person that i'd be sitting across from and I happen to know, too, that you spend a lot of your time, as you say, working with or working for people who you could probably describe on a similar kind of level, powerful creatives, people who are ripping out chunks of themselves, you know, and putting them into the world. And I'm already going to go ahead and assume that time spent that way has massively affected you. But tell me, like, when did that happen in your life? From a young age, were you drawn to people like that? And... Why do you think you have pushed yourself or put yourself in the positions to be able to spend time that way when other people don't or haven't? I've been hypersensitive since a really small age, I think, to other people's, and I think the way you described it, like what someone's feeling and like there's shit coming out of them. And I think organically and also through like trying to just like not have a job and have a job and then realizing that I'm able to interpret people and then put them through my own little matrix of something. Mm. I go into extremes with it because I lose myself for a moment mm. because it's you're putting someone through yourself to, and this thing comes out that kind of looks like they could have come up with it, but I'm wow. using myself as like a silk screening device, if that makes sense, yeah. which can be really intense. Like I go through these phases with, yeah, really intense creative people with a lot of like spiritual power. And like, mm. I don't mean, I, that word gets thrown around a lot too, but no, people who are like moving lots of people yes. with what they're doing, with their vulnerability, with their work, with their whatever. And then I come in as this weird proxy thing to help them make things or not even just make things with them because it's a collaboration. But I find myself getting very drained from that. And it's really intense, but it's also, I don't know, I think it's just a hypersensitivity, which also gets back to the dissonance you're talking about of when I'm just meeting someone on the road, if I'm walking my dog and I run into my neighbor and they have a thing about them that it makes me want to back away and run because they just are so unhappy or I don't know what happened in their day or their life, but I'm just like, man, (laughs) I don't think I can do this right now. (laughs) And that sounds whatever, but the way I always look at it, my radar and my sensitivity is what allows me to live the way I want to live as much as I'm like, I should be able to just talk to people when I see them on the street. But sometimes I'm just, I don't know. I get, I think I just feel stuff a little in an extreme way, which then helps make good art. So it's so interesting too, because again, there's just so much energy charged in your sentences that hmm. I feel like I could go in 20 <laughs> different directions with it. You know, Let's I have, I have so many chess. Yeah. Go. So, so many questions. Like, 
for instance, what you just brought up sparks this whole thing of polite, you know, and polite mm -hmm. has always been anathema to me because I just from a very young age, also being very hypersensitive, just recognized nothing ever good happened, you know, during polite moments, nothing yeah. that I considered good. It's almost like if you trace back the origins, it has to do with two tribes, you know, that maybe we're going to mm. kill each other, maybe we're going to share water rights or something, coming up with forms that were similar enough that they could say, okay, there's enough familiar here that we're not going to decimate them. And it's just like that's carried forward to now where even though that doesn't feel like low-level war, it is low-level war, you totally. know? And it's just this kind of way of saying, I'm not going to kill you if you're not going to kill me that might not be bad. It's certainly better than like killing each other, but it's also not brilliant and it's also not interesting and it also produces no growth. And it's not honest, I don't think. It's if not There's honest. a time and place. Yeah. If you're in line at an airport and you're handing someone your ID and they hold it and hand it back to you, that's a nice time. Like I don't necessarily need to like do something insane to that person. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like there's a social grace that's like polite. Sure. And it's functional. Sure. Like a transactional thing. Yeah. That's fine. Yes. But yeah, if, if I'm, I don't know, meeting someone, to be honest, I probably surround myself with people who are very rarely polite. Yeah. And, and not in a way that they're rude. No, Because lack of politeness isn't rudeness or whatever. It's just. It's lack of regard not for a, the social system. It's just know? not like a, there's no, I don't know. They're just there. And I think when people try to limit their output usually out of fear because I, I've done that too. And I go, we all vacillate and sometimes I'll hold back more, which comes off as polite, but ultimately it's just afraid of being wrong or afraid of being judged unfairly or you think, but ultimately you're just stealing good times. <laughs> so let's go back to these deep dive relationships you have with these people, very busy people, you mm -hmm. know, who probably you spend close time with or close time with their work for very intense short periods, but then it's kind of done, yeah. at least for that moment. Can that be described as a form of friendship, um, even if you never meet them in person? And what do you get from that? What do you give? How would you describe that? It's funny, the way I work now and like what you're describing, I never really decided it was gonna be what it is, but you know how it is, you start and it changes and it grows. And when it's good, you recognize it yes. and you keep doing and things. But do. I, the only way I can collaborate with people is if I do meet them and do spend time with them and do see them one-on-one -on -one regularly and they do become friends. I would say every time, actually. I don't think there's one time in the past 10 years where I didn't really work with someone and collaborate that I wasn't like in their home and like having dinner with their families. And that's like Beyonce or that's Andrew Bird. And there's this thing that happens because the only way to get to that good stuff is to really know someone. Otherwise, like go hire a company who can do a mind map from like 10,000 feet away from you and they can, <laughs> and that can work. But I think that there's like an intimacy that is instantly noticeable yes. when it's different. Yes. And that you look at like, I'm just tangenting right now, but like I'm obsessed with like Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas and what they've done is take intimacy in their bedroom and scale it on a like post Beyonce, post every, they've just changed everything with just a computer and themselves in a room, but it was intimate and it like, they tried going into studios and I'm totally been obsessed with them. So I've read every article and I know everything, but they've, they, they tried to do the thing that you're supposed to do and then found, I can't explain why it sounds the way it does when you're sitting on the edge of my bed and singing in that album, that music, 
is the highest, in my mind, the highest level of spiritual magic that is happening. And that to me is like the flag and the sign of the time we're in, which is really awesome. Like I love pop music. I'm over with the seventies indie rock, man. No offense to my friends who are still living that dream. Like now is awesome for the first time in my life. And I'm 37, but like, it's got smart. The radio's smart. Anyway, that was a little off the, no, 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 <laughs> it's, it's perfect. Again, my mind is just spinning with yeah. so many different possible ways to go. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about this deeply spiritual work that someone is creating. How would you describe that, if at all, in relation to the subject of friendship? Because, I mean, it is interesting to think of some 14-year-old girl somewhere uh, feeling alone, feeling scared, hearing this brave soul just rip out melodies Mm -hmm. that are saying, this is who I am, this is what I'm working through, this is what I'm scared of. And having someone else have that, I mean, go directly into their brain from the most intimate place you can. I mean, technology is stunning. Like when you think about how... Completely. It's magic now. It it is magic. Like kings and queens (laughs) from hundreds of years ago couldn't snap their fingers and have a hundred of the best musicians in the world come to play for them. And we have millions just like at, at our fingertips. What do you think that role is of someone like her? How does that relate to what we're exploring? I think the reason that anyone, anytime ever, whether it's Bob Dylan or whoever it was, he did something that went straight into someone else from very far away. And I think what's happened now with social media, and I was a dog on social media for, I mean, I just hated it. I was so resentful of it taking my time and I spent so much energy really like feeling very negative about it. But I think to what you're talking about, I think if you imagine the space between the stage and an audience, like just as an idea, that the space between someone like Billy and the entire world, like I'm saying from Nairobi to Chicago, like doesn't matter. That space is like gone. It doesn't, it's gone. So when someone like that and her brother do what they did in the way they did it, which was hyper intimate and hyper outside the norms, and they were fluent enough in just using, they just put a song on SoundCloud and they're not the first people to do that, but that it was so charged with human stuff that it speaks to everybody. Before I think there was so many levels of uh, blocks from on a business level of, you had to go out and play enough shows that maybe the right a person comes to see wow. you and maybe the right person will say, I deem you worthy for connection. Yes. So, and that's what happened to Dylan. Like someone was like, oh, you are worthy of connection and I'm gonna put you into a process of a machine. And yes, and he didn't reach people, but now that's gone. Like that threshold does not exist. So now it's back to what do you have to say and do you really mean it? Because if you really mean it, then this other thing happens completely. And I think right now as we sit here, young, young, young kids are beyond inspired and can download Logic for $200, parents buy it for them. And you can learn this program like a video game. It's the same thing, literally. You don't need to go to school to be a producer. It is like a video game. And you just listen to a lot of music and you have taste and you apply it. But what she's done is form intense bonds, even with me. Like when's the last time a 17 year old quote unquote pop singer got to me? I can't think maybe ever, actually ever in my life. So something's different. Yeah, I think we're just, we're in new territory. 
I love the idea too that you're talking about friendship being related to closing distance because totally. when you think about what is a friend, it's someone who's there. And when you think about, I'm not friends with them anymore, why is it? Because they're not there. And how technology has enabled us the means to be able to potentially close distance with many more people than ever before yeah. is quite interesting. Uh, in the same way, I think as an instrument, which surely it is, it can be played very badly, you know? Yeah, I was going to get to that. <laughs> or it can be played brilliantly, which in yeah. the case you're talking about, it is. But just having a piano in your room doesn't mean that you're making awesome music with it. Totally. And I think there's so many of us with this piano in our room. This analogy I give sometimes in my talks is like, in this mad obsession we have to have more followers, more likes, all of it, which is just, it's a biological thing. Love me. Yeah, like, what would you do if all of the sudden somebody pressed a button and you had all of them. You literally had all the followers. Uh, you couldn't get more. There was no more to get. And then there's just this blank cursor blinking. What the fuck do you say to all the followers? And if you don't know what you would say to all the followers, why are you in such a mad rush to get more of the followers? Yeah. It doesn't even really make sense. Yeah. I've struggled with that for years because I've gone through phases of like suddenly out of nowhere overnight gaining like, like the feeling of thousands of people within the span of 24 hours kind of focusing a lens at you. Oh, yeah. It's very weird. It's and that's positive and negative. Yeah. And I've, I've experienced both sides of that. I'm like, wow. And they like, uh, when I started, first started working with Beyonce, they made my name, they as in the beehive, um, they made my name trend on Twitter for my birthday. It was like, I was like, what the? Like, <laughs> that's a, and I'm like, wow, it's so much love. But then I had this like kind of sci-fi black mirror thought what happens when that so much love flips to the other side? Right. What's that look like? And I knew in that moment when that happened that it could definitely end. She didn't release music for a while and they came for me because she wasn't there to come for. And like, I was called all kinds of crazy things. And it's a very, <laughs> I remember the stress of feeling, and this was only in like 2012. So I think it was still very different, but the feeling of thousands of people with anger and animosity towards someone they don't know is still the feeling of people you know having animosity and hatred toward you. Like it didn't feel like I didn't know them. I felt judged. And that's I think when you see people like, you know, from whoever Cardi B to whoever, like getting in these things and then deleting their accounts for 24 hours. Cause I don't know if we're designed to take in that much data. We haven't caught up, you know, really, biologically with that no. feeling. And we're starting to, but to the point of, I don't know where we're at now, but maybe there's, we talked about the positive side to all this stuff, but I think when you get down to the, the weight of a friendship, I think the, the flip side to all the social stuff is you can be alone for days on end and think you're not, but you kind of are. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because whatever you get from liking some pics, getting a DM, exchanging like a 2.5 second exchange with someone, which happens all day long in my phone, in my hand, our bodies think, okay, uh, check mark, that's a connection but it's not. So it's kind of like a flower thinking it's getting sunlight, mm. but it's not. So I think there's a danger in that of telling ourselves that we're constantly connected and having these connections. But the way I feel sitting next to you right now is very different than when we exchange a DM. Do you know what I mean? And, and that, I think that's just realizing that there is a difference. And I think that's important too. What do you think the difference is? I think no matter how our technology is, this will never be replaced. I hope because I think there's a actual physical thing that like 
in ways we can't see. My skin cells are flying around your room, literally, and you're in here and I'm in here and we're breathing the same air and we're looking at each other. And like, I, I know that means something and that no matter how good VR gets or how, <laughs> how many amazing algorithms are written to predict Jesh's facial expressions, I don't think it'll ever replace the physical feeling of like photosynthesis, like uh, mm -hmm. the way a flower feels in the sun versus the flower like thinking it's in the sun or, you know what I mean? I think that's... I do, yeah. uh, but something I really want to draw up in relation to that is let's look at the difference between some random 17-year-old girl singing music and then Billy singing music, mm -hmm. which is very clearly having a different chemical effect on you. Yes. Why? What What is it that you think she's tapping into or giving or, or saying that someone else isn't? Well, I think there's a few things, but one of them is luck. No matter how good Billy is, luck was involved. For sure. But on top of that, in addition to that, I think it's how much you're giving away in the sense that you're unafraid of being judged. And she clearly is, you know, I'm watching her sort of design it. Like she only wears baggy clothing. No one knows what she looks like. I think that's very interesting. And she's also said out loud, I don't want anyone to know because like, I don't want to be judged and that's my decision. So I've created this like framework. But the point is in her music, I think that it struck me down. It was, it's so vulnerable. It like knocked me off my feet. And there was like five days where I first heard of her through people I was working with. Nate from Cold War Kids was like, dude, have you heard of Billie Eilish? I was just in Wasteland. I was like, I don't know who that is. I don't know who to of course, her album was coming out. This is all very recently. And suddenly she's in my feed and everyone I know that, I have people that know her and I'm suddenly seeing her in there. I'm like, who is this girl? And I saw a visual and I immediately hit mute because I didn't want the music to ruin how much I liked the visual. Hmm. So there's a strange four day thing where I was like, my God, look at these, look what, look at this. This is unbelievable. And then when I let myself finally listen to her, it was a gut punch because she was just very vulnerable. And it like, and then hearing her brother describe it, that, that was the whole thing is that she could sing someone else's song and it would sound like it was her song. And she's like, no, it's a Frank Ocean song. What are you talking about? I didn't write that. And he's like, it just, she's feeling it. So she's feeling everything for everybody else. And that's what you're, that's the job, I guess. You know, what's interesting to me is that ability she has to do that seems strikingly similar to your ability to be able to <laughs> be a sieve, you know, for this great power coming through, but to translate it in a way. Yeah. I mean, cause clearly these people that you work with, they're awesome. They're doing lots of awesome stuff you're contributing something that they can't do by themselves or else they wouldn't be working with you. And so yeah. that similarity between you two, being able to do that, I think is really interesting. Well, Billy, if you're listening, we should probably <laughs> hang out. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, I would say I agree, not in a way that I'm saying I'm like a 17 year old savant. No, no, no. But no, but, but I think it's a, it's a, I think, look, art is magic. And I think when people discover their voice, it's magic. You can apply that to any medium. You can master any medium. I've been a big believer of, I don't believe in jack of all trades mass. I think that's complete crap. I think you can spend a lot of time on many different things and master them. And she was a dancer. She was a this, she was a that. And then she started, you know, but I'm saying, uh, yeah, I think it is similar. I don't know, man. It's a weird one. I think maybe it's cause I'm having a kid and I've had to reset all my filters because he's going to be here and he's going to have no filters. So what am I going to do to teach him by being like, no, 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 this is what good music is. And anything after 2000 is bad. So I, I think just, I completely rebooted 
and I'm 17 now. Well, that's definitely because it's yeah. so much more fun. That's definitely a, a kind of subject I want to get into too. Yeah. But right before we dive into that, I'm yeah. I'm curious about one of the great writers. I want to say Oscar Wilde, but I don't know for sure if it was him. He says uh, only those who risk going too far can possibly know how far one can go. Yeah. You know, and this whole thing of like there's this identity that we have that most people have this death grip on white knuckle death grip. And then there are these people who relax the, mm. the grip to start flowing out of that center where everybody is. And they start going to the edges of things. And there's this line at some point where it becomes madness, which is to say completely inaccessible to anyone else, at least in that time. Mm-hmm. And then there's obviously like, dangers out there too because i think a lot of the reason why we lose a lot of those people is because as that strong identity goes we disconnect ourselves from the survival obsession that the center of the community has and obviously biologically that's important to have that obsession creatively it's literally the opposite thing because that survival obsession constantly interferes with the exploration into the unknown territory which is essential so What I see with you in this conversation about you're having these strong forces, you know, Mm -hmm. almost like, it's almost like I see you on the beach Mm -hmm. and there's like this 40 foot wave coming in. Everyone else has run for the shore being like, this is a bad idea. And you're there with your surfboard being like, okay, I got this. I respect that so much about you. I think it's something that I think is really beautiful because it shows this willingness to not necessarily desire to lose it, but a willingness to risk losing that shoreline, that firmness, that, okay, there's 20 other surfers here, this is probably okay. And I think that little piece is something that is really vital in a lot of the people that I know, you know, who move me by what they do, including yourself. So what would you say about that? Oh man, I go through such a like ping pong with myself because anything of value ever and I say, when I say value, I mean, I think that just feels right. But that 40 foot wave at times you realize no matter how close it gets, it actually just disappears at the moment of impact and that our fight or flight constantly, whether it's my own music or working with people or feeling terrified before something that I'm, that I know I have to do like that wave you're talking about, but that the only time anything interesting happens or good or anything that resonates with people that I can't explain is because I just stop caring about my well-being in like a, I'm not like scaling walls. I'm not going to fall. It's what, like, what's the worst that can really happen? I spent the past few days with this amazing rapper called K Camp and we were shooting three videos in a row and I've never really done a full set before directing and there was going to be like a hundred people there. And I'm like the director and (laughs) I woke up at like five in the morning the night before and was like, just freaking out. Just like, I'm going to blow it. They're going to catch me. I'm a fraud. Like, I can't do this. What am I doing? I'm so out of my depth. And then I basically just, it's like marching yourself in and you just do it. And then all of a sudden it's the most fun that you'll ever have because then you're like, oh, right. That's where this is. Hmm. And I find myself staring down the end of a microphone with my own music. And I've been stagnant for a few years with that because whenever I sit down, I try to white knuckle it, like you're saying, mm-hmm. and I'm controlling it. And when I listen to it, I'm like, why does it sound wrong? Cause it's just so tight. Mm-hmm. And I think that letting go and just being yourself, that's all anybody wants to hear or see in a museum because we all want to be like that. 
but we never it's very hard to so read. hard even the best artists i think go in and out of that oh, yeah. all the time and that those are moments of beautiful freedom and that stuff you can't explain how you even made it like sometimes i'll make a thing and i don't even remember doing it <laughs> no i don't remember like the decision process because no. there kind of wasn't one right it was like one foot in front of the other yeah. and you're going somewhere and then you get somewhere and you look behind you and you're like my god how did i end up here this is incredible you feel like somebody gave it to you well you know what's so interesting too is that this podcast is really about exploring friendship from all sides not just how we normally think of friends also friendship you know to people that we don't know like we were talking about in terms of books that you've read or music that's touched you which is something else I hope I'll remember to ask you is because I know you're a great reader and you've had beautiful relationships with some of those authors. But the thing that's striking me right now is in the friendship to yourself, which I really believe is core to all of the other friendships, is the hardest to see of all of yeah. the other friendships, but is by far the most impactful. You know, I hear you say like, I'm waking up right before this big thing. I have no fucking idea what I'm doing, or at least I'm afraid that I don't. But then like I do it and then it ends up being so much fun. It's like you're loving yourself enough to give yourself these opportunities where, yeah, you might fall, but if you pull this off, like it's going to be so much fun. And it's like, I've been writing a lot lately. So I see that in my head as all caps, so much fun. (laughs) I don't think a lot of humans regularly put themselves in positions where so much fun in all caps is even a possibility when that's not even a possibility. Like what you live your whole life and what really, like I've been playing this game with myself recently about what would I want written on my tombstone? Because I think it's such a funny thing. Like you've lived this whole life. There's a dead guy down there and then there's a tiny little slab. (laughs) It's less than 140 characters. It's like this little thing. And it might even be a screen eventually. It might even be a photo gallery for your tombstone. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I've been playing this game of like, you know, what would mine be? And the funnest one that I've come up with so far is, uh, well, that was unexpected. No doubt. You know, I would way rather have that than almost any other thing I can think of so far. I don't want to say he was good at this one thing this one time. I don't want to say, you know, he helped lots of people, whatever. It's like, I want to do something that hadn't been done. I want to, I want to be in something that hadn't been been in, you know, Mm -hmm. just to be like, leave a geolocator or like a whole string of like wild geolocators, like straight off into the dark of the ocean. And people are like, what the fuck, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, (laughs) I would way rather spend life like that and i've been graced to have a lot of moments like that in my own small way and i think that's part of why i feel camaraderie with you is because i i feel that in what you're doing it's like to throw yourself in a situation like that could be called crazy it could be called brave it could also be called self-love but it's like what do you have to lose like literally like you lose nothing but you gain everything that's just that's it I mean, look, not every situation. I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not scaling buildings. No, I think you're right. But it's true. Like put yeah. yourself out there. A lot of my internet life these days, I like to talk to people and we have that in common. And I'll get these DMs from people like, hey, can I ask you a question? Like how, just how, how did you, how? <laughs> and that applies to so many things that I'm just like, I just decided I wanted, you just do, I don't know. You I think the video game thing helps. Like I want to level up. I'm not afraid of saying that. Leveling up's fun. Leveling up comes from risks. It's like cheats. There's cheats in this game. And I'm like, okay, so if I do this thing that is completely insane, but if I do it and I pull it off, I level up 10 points. And I think that that is ultimately like, 
the less you care about the outcome, good or bad, because I think that's the thing too. And like people who have are in these positions of extreme power all decided they just didn't really care what anyone was going to think about it. Everyone, anyone who has any, a lot of that, I think at some point, whether they care now or it's harder to stop caring because so many people are paying attention. But I think ultimately there's that decision that you could almost see it where they were like, fuck it. <laughs> and then they gained an entire life. I love the video <laughs> game analogy too in this regard because you're not really risking death in the video game. Exactly. You know, but it feels like you are if it's a really good video game. Mm-hmm. And it's like this world is... start. <laughs> yeah, this world is kind of a really good video game, especially the one we've created because mm-hmm. we have all of these hormones and chemical signals firing off all the time that are telling us there's a tiger in those bushes. And it's like, no, totally. actually, it's, it's not just there. a bunch of people you don't know that not maybe there. are going to unfollow you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so... I think it is important to kind of puncture that facade and that Wizard of Oz kind of like scariness of it because it is just some overweight guy in the back who's like totally. pushing a bunch of buttons. I think one of my favorite quotes I've heard in so, so long is Bob Dylan saying, who are you that I should lie to you? Hmm. You know? Wow. Good choice. Oh. That's like, thing, no one, I love all Dylan quotes of all time and no one's ever said that out loud to me. I, I love that one. It, it's so stunning to me because it's like, mm. who are you that I am spending my precious life moments to do this juggling trick in front of you, you know, mm-hmm. to be like, look at me, look at me. Or yeah. who are you that I should have to pretend to be something that I'm not? For me, it just cuts right to the core I love quotes and it's probably like in my top three to five quotes of all time because it's just such a poignant, as I say, puncture of this whole thing. It's like, oh, wait a second. And that goes back to the first thing we talked about, which is like what I think good friends are, like people who aren't asking you to be anything, who don't expect anything of you. And who are you to, no, we're just here together. And like, I'm here by choice. You're here by choice. And our time is our currency, as I like that word. And it's a thing that's finite like the tombstone, right? I mean, we have a finite amount of time here. Why would you waste it on people who don't deserve it? And I say don't deserve it in a way that it's it's not constructive. Yeah, you can go out and hang with anybody, but is it really, what are you really getting from that? And not in a selfish way, like really ask, like, so really ask yourself, like, is that a value? Really? Are you just like doing charity? Because hey, you know what? You can do charity and that's great and I respect that, but... I don't really want to do charity anymore. I've done that. I've dated people and this is going to sound so bad. And it is like kind of like a weird charity where I thought I needed to be for them. But who are they to ask that of me? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I love this tying into of this idea of constructive with the idea of currency, you know, Mm. because I feel those two things are interrelated as you're, as you're speaking. And so even this idea of like leveling up, clearly has to do with you know constructive choices or choices that lead to these constructive moments you know i i think it's so interesting to me how the ones who move the millions as you're talking about they do seem like giants they Mm. seem giant in so many different ways and a lot of my work has been around 
exploring the process between the tiny and, and the giant, because all the giants came from tiny. Totally. You know, and I'd love to demystify that process. They're still tiny. To demythify it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in, in a lot of ways we yeah. are, but there still is this constructiveness, this additive, this, mm. even how you're mentioning the difference between a flower being in the sun or thinking that you're a flower in the sun, mm-hmm. you know, pouring sugar into your body or yeah. pouring something that's actually going to be sustaining and biting a peach. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So in your own journey of that, when you just have had a constructive experience, like what does that feel like? How, how do you know that it's been a constructive experience? How have you curated your, your life to get more of that and less of the other? What would you say about that? I think being uncomfortable leads to comfort. And then you immediately have to stop being comfortable and go back to looking for more uncomfortableness in that I find the hardest stuff. There's this like flow that happens when it's just like, killing it's kind of killing you a little bit because it's new and because you don't understand it and you're you're forced to use your tools it's really easy to coast and use what you have and ultimately i think humans define themselves we define ourselves by like how hard things are to the point where we make things seem harder than they are like i listen to phone calls from across rooms and people love to be like oh you won't believe what happened to me you know i've just been so in and there's this need for that Wow. You know, and, yes. and I'm because I think that we define ourselves by it, but then to actually be like, what's constructive any time that it feels constructive to me, like it was really hard. I was terrified at 5 a.m. <laughs> and then I was dancing in a chair rejoicing a few hours ago because like, oh man, I won. I did it. I did it beyond that. I thought I could do. It's so much more than I thought I was capable of. So suddenly I'm more in my own eyes. You know, what's so crazy about that is I look really closely at relationships and have for a long time. And a lot of my work in this field, whatever you want to call it, kind of started from uh, getting a really close observer's view from couples, you know, Mm. working as a photographer. I literally got to stare at them through a lens for Mm -hmm. a long time. And something that I observed was that early in the relationship, people are very explorative with each other. They don't have a lot of ideas about each other yet. There's not as much familiarity and, and comfort around it. It's, it's new, you know? And what I hear you saying is, yeah, there's poking, exactly. Yeah, there's there's like a testing. a blind child feeling up a wall. Yes, exactly that. <laughs> exactly. And that is associated with usually the greatest, most beautiful time of the entire relationship, the most powerful, the most exciting. Honeymoon phase. Exactly. It's new. Because it's new. And even the whole idea of honeymoon is like you leave to this place you've never been to before. People go on vacation because they don't know it. Exactly. And so what (laughs) I'm hearing with what you're saying is by constantly putting yourself in these new situations, you're basically constantly in explorative phase with yourself. Always on vacation. Always there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really pushing it to that place of, I think people get like, old and bitter and divorced with their own selves. Dude, I flirted with that in a weird way, I think. There was a good year before I moved to LA that I was totally stagnant, operating almost on standby mode. And I felt that, I felt it. I felt like the lights going out. And that meaning like, when you look at someone who's let's say in their eighties and they're walking down the street and you get this instant feeling that, whoa, like that guy's cut out of concrete, that he's just so hard, there's nothing there, he's all disconnected. And I wonder, like, no one starts that way. We Mm. all are like bright eyed, bushy tailed, Mm. anything's possible, blah, blah, all that stuff. But I started to really feel it like in my 35th year or something. Part of me was like, that's just what happens. Here you are. 
you never thought it would happen to you, man, but like your lights are out. And it made me resentful. I was angry toward Laura, my love. I was hard to be around. I saw myself just like jealous of friends that had more than I and anyone who was gaining success quickly around me. And those were many people. I was just jealous and angry, but then unwilling to do anything about it. And I saw that. And then I think at some point I just was like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. And again, pushed into uncomfortable stuff. And I catch myself now looking at my life, like snap, woof, here we are, you're in. And I'm like, thank God, I thought I was gone, but you're not. But it is very easy to get like that, I think. And if there's one thing that I'll like tell my son, it's like, keep that magic. And that magic comes from risk because I think you can go into the ease of living. Like it's a video game, okay, then what is winning? Is beating the game mean that you're instantly comfortable and no more problems? Right. No, I think exactly. there is no end. It's a really weird game in yeah, that there's no end to the game. Yeah. You basically just die. That's the end of the game. So it's like how you use your time between the first level and the last level is entirely up to you. Multiple choice adventure style. And if you think it's comfort, like I know people who have more money than God and I see them and we're no different in what they feel like they need to like be happy. And none of that stuff changes anything at all. I find that to be really good news. During that moment in your life, that, that hard year, mm. uh, who or what was a friendship to you? Or if you didn't have something like that, what could you have really used in that moment to, to jump you out of that or, or to be there with you as you moved through it? Man, I don't know. I look in the hindsight, I think what I needed was myself. Mm -hmm. I think I stopped talking to me, which is how people slowly warp into a version of themselves that you don't want to, that you as in Jesh wouldn't want to be around that person. Like the examined self to really examine your life is an enriched thing. And I think I stopped doing that. I had people around me. I was in relationships. I had love. I have amazing parents who like are cool and open. But I think the one thing I needed was like me. And for whatever reason, I lost that. What is your form of self-examination? For me, it's music, I think, as far as a medium goes, because for me, it's an unconscious process. So my friend Polly always says, mate, you're self-analyzing again. And I'm like, I kind of am, because I refuse to like go talk to someone. And she thinks what I do and how, because she's been around me for a while, is that I'm literally analyzing myself to myself. Like I'm on my own couch. And in doing that, I have epiphanies and I'm not saying I'm inventing it. Like we all do that. But I think to not do that at all for me is really bad, like really cancerous. Like I'll hear my voice recorded back. Like if I listen to this podcast and I'm like, whoa, whose voice is that? Then I know I'm off. Like, uh, uh, you're not doing, you need to go in and like do some, go under the hood. But if I hear something and this relates to like your singing voice, if you listen to it, I'm like, yeah, that's just me. And you're not judging it on like pretense or affectation. Then it's analyzed and you're in the green. That's the way I look at it. What advice would you give to somebody who wanted more of that in their life? More of? More of that voice that's the real one, not the affected one. You have to find your mirror, find your tools. I think there's, I think photography, paint. I mean, I'm, it doesn't have to always be creative because some people aren't artists and they're like, what, what do I do? I don't, I'm not an artist. And I think that you can do that with anything. I think you can watch a movie 
and pause it and suddenly be like, shit, wait a minute. And like you write it down on your phone or you have a moment. And I think to always kind of have yourself on in a way that you're receptive to bettering mm-hmm. your situation and your head and your mm-hmm. perception of things that nothing's finite. You don't understand everything. You definitely never will. And you're constantly being exposed to things that might teach you something. This kind of reminds me of a subject I've been thinking about recently is confidence, mm-hmm. you know, and it seems kind of unfair because the people who are confident find more and more opportunities to get more confident and people who don't have confidence hardly ever have opportunities to change that. Right. It's like the rich get richer, that whole thing. So I did a little bit of search on that word confidence and the word in the dictionary means to be very sure of something. And what I realized is that in our culture, most people think that you need to be sure that you're good, but it's kind of this weird catch 22 because if you're sure that you're good, you already spent time not being good. Totally. And if you're not sure that you're good, you probably won't attempt it if that's your idea of confidence. So what I kind of came to is that with confidence, yes, you need to be sure of something, but you don't need to be sure that you're, that you're good. What you need to be sure of is that you're worth trying, you're worth risking it for. You're, you know, and that's exactly what I hear in all of these stories you yeah. know, that you're saying is that even these little epiphanies that you have that you're talking about, I truly believe the mind and the body are like epiphany catchers or epiphany growers. It's a garden potentially, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yes, some people end up going the distance and becoming this like whole forest, but they all started out as this black dirt that you never would have suspected carried these massive forests inside of them. And so I've really looked closely at that process. And for me, one of the chief elements has been when I get an epiphany, when I have that little idea spark, I do stop the movie. I do pause the conversation and I actually physically take time to write it down. And for me, that is a part of my own process of like, you know, honoring that. And I think that form of self-love, it's almost like you can't really be a real friend to somebody if you're not listening to them. Totally. And so when your head speaks to you, when your heart speaks to you, when your soul speaks to you and you're just like, uh, later, that's like bad friendship Yeah. to really just be like, oh, just a second. My friend needs me. Totally. It's like so many people would stop a conversation just to look at their stupid phone because some rando no has texted them. And it's like, we do that. Yeah. How beautiful it is to cultivate that sense of awareness with your own voice that when your voice texts you and is like, hey, I know you're talking to this person right now, but don't forget this. Or yeah. what about this? To just take that time to do that. I think not only is it super smart, you know, in the terms of developing, you know, your power as an artist, that's the one relationship for sure that you're always going to have with you. All of the rest of them are up on the table and maybe you get to keep them, maybe you don't. But like that consistent... You're with you forever. You're with you forever. (laughs) It's really And and it's kind of weird because many of us spend a lot of our life placing several other people, if not dozens, if not hundreds, if not millions of unknowns on a higher priority level. And I think that gets back to the social media thing where it's very easy. That's the comparison world, right? So like in that space, you're constantly mirroring yourself off other people or rather taking cues from other people in a way that I don't think we ever have before as like a a species. Right. And I think that also makes it really easy to lose your nature. And I think maybe that's what happened to me. I think that's my, that's why I became so negative with social media, but it was mm. a, it was a loss 
Have you recognized I lost me. instinctively? Totally. Yeah. And and then through getting back to the work for me, through getting back to the voice memos and the notes and the and also the other people working with other people, I'm able to understand myself. And that's mm. why I like it and that's why it's not work. That's also why it's a tricky thing and it's also very easy to get high off of other people's stuff. Mm. Like if Beyonce's Instagram is logged into your phone, that's not your Instagram. And when you check it profusely and like refresh it and you're like, whoa. And you start to kind of get a pleasure from that. You have to be like, dude. And Matthew <laughs> has to tell Matthew, what are you doing, man? That's not yours. And then I'm like, ah, oh, you're right. My bad. Sorry. And he's like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. But to not have that voice present, I think in this day and age leaves a void for everyone else's voice. And that's why everyone kind of looks the same now. And everyone's kind of doing the same thing online. And there's a lot of... um why we worship Kanye and Billy because they don't care. And they're like, I've got me, me is enough. Kanye was on a, on Letterman's Netflix show and I didn't watch the whole thing, but oh man, he's, I don't care what anyone says, like fuck your politics. Like same. he is free and he he's is. deprogrammed and we are all programmed and I'm going off on tangents, but my, my, I just had my father come visit me and he, he's a, he's an artist, so he won't care about me saying, things about him but he hit like an existential wall in his life mm -hmm. um where he has been ignoring his nature in ways he's an incredible artist and he's able to do a lot of things but i think if you only do things for other people like if i only work for mm. other people and help them for 35 years i think at the end of that 35 years it's like wait where'd i go mm. wait a minute i was do i was building something where did that wasn't that but it's incredible because he just snapped up and I'm like a weird man now. Like he's like, you know, 60 something or whatever it is. And I'm 37 and it's a couple, couple of guys just talking so I can call him out. And we were making art in our house and he made me a painting. And, but it's incredible how we have these examples of ourselves wow. in our genetic coding. And Kanye was going on and on about recognizing your genetic coding because you are completely programmed and wired with all kinds of stuff that you've got to let go of. And it's your parents and it's your childhood and we all have trauma and all that stuff. And it all dictates who we are and why we need likes, mm -hmm. you know, and it's an amazing thing to see my dad as a mirror to me as a version of me from an alternate dimension because he had different experiences than me, but he's also me, but it's me if I did something else. Totally. It's a trip and it's educational and it's amazing. So. Well, on that note, and yeah. kind of in closing, you've got this little mirror coming along the way soon. Yeah, man. And a little mirror, I like. Yeah, that. if he hears this, you know, in like fifteen years or twenty years or forty, like, what would you say to him about all this we've been talking about of what you've learned on this journey so far that you would want him to know? Listen to all of it and then forget it. <laughs> <laughs> like learn everything and then like just forget it and yeah. like just play i'm always playing yeah play is good oh. lots of games play is so good i've been diving so deep into that too that the importance of playing and how deeply uh, interwoven it is with exploration totally you know and how you're learning but doesn't even feel like learning you or know it's, it's like it's, so much fun it's business it's play it's all the same thing yeah. It's all a video game. Play. Just keep playing. Cool, and then you'll be dead and then you have a tombstone. Friendship is a video game. It's all, it's all a game. The construct. Thanks, bro.
Thank you, man.